0: These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com.
1: Talking Twins. Declan Goff, Jake DePue in, Judd Zogat out at Vikings Camp. So another Pavano Butera edition of Talkin' Twins here. Uh, Jake, we're going to get into some more notes in the Bronx as the Twins' ineptitude continues. Thank Ooh. God for a hurricane. We're to have to finish that series, honestly. I never thought I'd have to say thank you to a hurricane. Um, for yeah. forcing something out uh, of our normal
0: lives, but good. That God. Was, We'll we'll get into that. I don't even know what to say anymore yeah. about Twins Yankees.
1: We will uh, we'll talk about that in here in just a little bit. Uh, we'll also have some other uh, things of note here on this edition of Talking Twins. Uh, but Jake, let's actually start uh, what happened in St. Paul over the weekend. Uh, Joe Ryan made his debut, his St. Paul Saints debut, I should say, uh, at CHS Field with over the Iowa Cubs. He was on the Olympic team. He was off for about a couple weeks. He is now officially in the Twins organization. He made his first start with the Twins, um, or with the St. Paul Saints, I should say, last Friday against Iowa. Uh, I was at the game. I covered it for Score North. And, you know, sometimes, you know, and I'm not going to pretend to be an insane scouting guy by any means. Uh, I also had to move seats from the press box, get a better view of him. But, uh, I think there is something about going and seeing someone in person and not just obviously looking at scouting reports or watching YouTube highlights. And I know you were watching, I believe, from afar or seeing at least Twitter feeds and tweets coming in on him. So I want to get a good look at him. Uh, he was obviously the key piece in the Nelson Cruz trade. Same thing. You and I were just talking about uh, for the last month about th- this is kind of the one that we do want to see a lot. And I know he's not the most prized possession that they've got in these trades with Nelson Cruz and Jose Brios, et cetera. But still someone that might be the closest thing to major league ready um and Jake I guess what I saw from him I mean he was pretty damn dominant uh four innings he was on a 70 pitch pitch count since he hadn't thrown in about 10 11 days coming back from the Olympics so he was on a pitch count uh but struck out nine including six in a row to start the ball game um he did give up one hit it was a bomb to right field I mean it was an absolute tater tot that he gave up but outside of that um he was basically flawless in his start Uh, regularly 94, 95 miles an hour, and I have heard the gun there does run a little hotter than normal at CHS Field, so maybe that 92 to 93 range that other scouting reports and other people have said on him is maybe a little bit more accurate, but he's definitely a heavy, heavy fastball pitcher. Um, He relied on it a ton, uh, 67 pitches or so, and I believe 45-plus of them were fastballs, Um, but in general, a very encouraging start from what I saw from him, uh, in his St. Paul Saints debut,
0: yeah, and and you've seen him more than I have. I I only saw a little bit of that game. I saw a little bit of him pitching the Olympics, but but my sample size is pretty small. Uh, but honestly, I mean, I, I I'm just really impressed with the guy. He like you said, he mostly throws fastballs, which is really interesting, and we can get more into that and whether that'll be an issue moving forward. But it it like you said, he he sits like ninety three ninety four. Maybe if the CHS gun is fast, maybe it's more 92 93 but uh he gets tons of swing and miss on that on that four seam fastball. It seems like it really pops. It's got a lot of ride to it. Uh and so, you know, between his performance at the Olympics uh and what he did in that debut where did he strike up the he struck you said he struck out the side in the the first, first two innings. I believe first and right? second.
1: Yep, struck out six you, in a row.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, I was I was following along on your Twitter feed, and um, I could tell you were really impressed. And um, obviously, he, you know, I think we're in agreement that he probably needs to develop a third pitch beyond that fastball and changeup. Um, but still, I mean, you, you know, the, the swing and miss he gets on a 93-mile-an-hour a fastball, there's obviously a lot of deception to it. A lot. Uh, and so that's a really intriguing pitch. Now, whether whether that means he's ultimately a starter or reliever, like if he can't develop a third pitch, maybe he is more of a reliever. Mm-hmm. um, but I still see him long term as a starter but i I'm curious, you know, just just watching him again, neither of us are like you know professional scouts or anything, but like what what seemed really impressive to you against that that Iowa Cubs lineup? like was he getting lots of swing and missed Did hitters look like they were late on that fastball? like what did you see from him that was so impressive?
1: Yeah, I mean, he loved his fastball. It's definitely a heavy pitch for him, um and I liked two, I like two things about. Him. Number one, he's got a lot of demeanor and swagger on the mound. Um, I I like an animated pitcher. I know that might piss people off. You know, Sergio Romo was super super animated. He's not on obviously Romo level. I don't think anyone really is. He's in a league of his own there. But um, I like a guy that shows a little a little swagger on the mound and and in general, yeah. I, I mean, I would say he definitely will have to find a third pitch if he's going to make it long term as a starting pitcher in the big leagues. But I mean. Look, if if he can pump regularly 95 miles an hour fastballs, I mean, that's a pretty damn good place to be. Um and it's clearly a deceptive pitch for him. Uh one play that also at least stood out to me uh was there was a foul pop up on the left side just right in front of the visiting clubhouse. And you know, typically obviously as we know like pitchers don't field pop ups. It's just it's not something in their DNA. They let the infield take it. And it wasn't a high enough one, obviously, where the catcher or third baseman was going to get get to it in time. And Joe Ryan books it off the mound and nearly makes this grab. And typically, you would you would you know, I know like baseball hustle and old school baseball plays probably love that. They probably like, oh my god, that's so great, looking him hustle off the mound there. And there might be some like new age people are like, oh no, why is he running full speed after a ball that he shouldn't be? I don't know. I thought it was, I love awesome... it. yeah, me too. I thought it was a really really. Um, impressive play because he almost made this grab when he didn't have he didn't have to move off that mound he didn't he could just do his job of being a pitcher and being a hurler um, and instead he literally chugs it and almost makes a, a a great grab in foul territory I mean you don't see pitchers do that so you can tell that I think just the way and this is again this is more uh, off the mound stuff that I really really like from him that demeanor is really really impressive so to me I think that's awesome that he was able to do that. Um, I'm curious what he's going to be able to do long term to make it as a starting pitcher going forward. But in general, I thought it was a pretty damn impressive debut for him.
0: Yeah. And I like that too. And that's a little, that's one of those anecdotes that you don't, you know, you don't necessarily pick up on if you're just reading scouting reports or whatever, like that, chasing after that foul ball, like that really does lend a little bit of insight into kind of his demeanor on the mound, how engaged and locked in, it seems like he is just, you know, based on that start and based on on what you were talking about. Uh, And you know, the fact, I, I know there weren't fans at the Olympics, but, like, the fact that he was able to step in, I mean, he was our game one starter. He started mm-hmm. the first game of the Olympics and then also started in the semifinals against uh, South Korea. Uh, so, you know, that shows what they thought of him, you know, and it shows the trust that they had in him. And the fact that he was able to pitch so well in a really high-pressure situation like that does also add more, I think, to, to the demeanor. And it's funny because he seems like – I haven't interviewed him or anything, but, like, it seems to me, like, off the mound, he seems like a pretty kind of laid-back – uh, kind of a West Coast vibe, kind of a chill dude. Um, and so I love that Like he, he's able to kind of lock in and, and switch gears when he gets on the mound. I, I love guys like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, again, like you said, he has to develop a third pitch, I think, but the fact that he has that fastball that gets so much swing and miss combined with all the other things that you just talked about, I, you know, I think both of us are really excited about him and, and I think he'll be up. I think yeah. he could be up his next start. Like, yeah. I, it wouldn't shock me. Um, I think he'll be up soon.
1: I I yeah so I asked around too, um in the press box as well and it, it sounded like too from people who I talked to who obviously work for the team it, it, they said if I mean if he pitches like that again like he's that's it like you know he, maybe one or two more starts if he's that damn dominant again I mean he'll be here yeah possibly before September call ups um, but I, I I would be I'd be pretty shocked if he's not on this club very very soon yeah and you know and and Kent goes down obviously with, with the Yankees too so there could be something that opens up there just naturally you know sometimes that's kind of how you know when it, we're always looking for a quote let's just get this guy in the rotation well unfortunately injuries sometimes do play a part in that and we'll see how severe that Kenta Maeda injury is from over the weekend but I'm with you I mean I, I I think in general he's going to make just one or two more starts he already made a handful of them with Tampa Bay so uh I, I would be pretty shocked if he's not up here soon and then obviously making a very serious case in 2022 to break the roster. I'd be very, very impressed if he can do that.
0: For sure. And and I think another benefit of him going to the Olympics is that, you know, he made those two starts. I think he pitched like five, five or six innings in the first start, and like four and two thirds in the second. But that really brought down his innings, you know, for the year. Like, right. I mean, that was probably like a month between, you know, going there, getting back, getting readjusted. Like he probably only pitched, you know, those eight or nine innings in the Olympics over a month. And so that kind of, I think is a little bit more reassurance to the twins that he can handle, you know, going deep into September, probably for the first time in his career. Um, and so, yeah, uh, like you said, that um, uh, the injury to to Maeda, uh, along with his, you know, his innings count, whatever, whatever innings limit he's on, if he's on one, I, I think we're going to see him in September. They only get two extra roster spots in September. So it's not like past years yeah. where they can just call up anybody on the 40 man. but still um, I think he deserves it. And regardless, he's going to be, in the mix in 2022 without question. I would actually pencil him in right now as probably one of the five starters that breaks camp with the Twins in 2022.
1: Yeah, you definitely don't want to just like, um, assume that, all right, because he doesn't have great secondary pitches that he can't be a good, you know, contributor and starter right away. He's still a young guy and can obviously develop that. You know, Tyler Duffy's obviously was, was a good example of someone who's threw hard right away and was a two pitch pitcher and then turned into a pretty effective reliever over a stretch. I know he's had a little bit of a rougher season this year. Uh, But in general, I think this guy is actually going to really contribute to the Twins. And worst case, he does become a very high leverage super reliever, if you will. Um, If that fastball regularly can sit at 93, 94, and if he obviously becomes a reliever, you know, Glenn Perkins, same example. I know he was a lefty, Joe Ryan, a righty. You can put a little more zip on that fastball and all of a sudden 94, 95 turns into 96, 97. Um, and then you can always use big bullets like that um, uh, in, in your bullpen. So worst case scenario, I really do think he he projects as a very good reliever. And obviously the the, the best case is he does contribute and becomes the starting pitcher that people think he can be.
0: Yeah, there's a. I think the Duffy comp is a good one, that they're going to try him as a starter, obviously, and if he can't develop that third pitch, then then you're right. Maybe he becomes a really effective reliever, but um, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't contribute in some way uh, once this next window opens for the Twins.
1: Uh, also in St. Paul, Byron Buxton, he was uh, back for the first time in about two months. Uh, he batted third, played center on Friday, a couple flyouts to right field. There was a weird play where the right fielder misjudged a ball, and it looked like he trapped it, because uh, Buxton came up, I believe with the bases loaded or runners at first and uh, uh, at, at second and third or first, and there was there was two runners on at least. He hits a ball in his first half back to right field, and the right field I think misjudged. It. There was a little wind. There was about there was some rain about to come in, um, and I thought he actually trapped it. And I think Buxton and everyone else thought he trapped it, but then the ump's gathered together and said, "No, he made the catch." And it was a weird play, but in general, uh, a couple flyouts for him to the opposite field on Friday. They rested him Saturday, which, by the way, like I, I'm fine with that. I know some people are like, well, oh, he's already getting a day off of rest. Like, what does it matter? Like, it's a lost season. The guy has been made a glass his entire career. If he doesn't want to play a Saturday AAA game, I'm cool with that. Um, and then he comes back on Sunday, does hit a bomb. I'm guessing we will probably be with the big league club in the middle of the week here as we record on Monday, August twenty third. Uh, but Byron Buxton nearing his return uh, to the big leagues after uh, another stint on the injured list.
0: Yeah. And it'll be good to see him. You know, I mean, it, we, we got all excited. He missed what about 40 games uh, due to the hip injury. Uh, we got all excited. He came back for three games. He played extremely well. And then he, you know, gets hit in the hand and, uh, and is out again. I will say the the one, and I don't even want to call it a blessing in disguise, but I guess the one positive of him going back on the IL is it, allowed that hip to fully heal, you know, because there was some debate about like, is he actually healthy? I remember the twins kind of held him back when he said he was ready to play when he was coming back from that hip injury. Um, So now at least that presumably is fully healed. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I I would expect him back hopefully, you know, in this Boston series, if not for sure, when they, they get back home to Minnesota Um, and, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy uh, and, and put together a final five weeks. Uh, I, you know, to me, like, it wouldn't shock me at all if he just picks it up right where he left off and, and is hitting for power and average. I mean, the fact that he looked good in that, you know, those two uh, AAA games and hit a home run and, um, you know, was sprinting all out uh, from what it, what I saw on Twitter. Like uh, I, I think he's just going to step right in and be Byron Buxton again. And it's just going to be a matter of whether he stays healthy. The other thing with Buxton is, you know, unfortunately, we, we could be watching his final at bats in it's wins uniform over these next five weeks. Sure. You know, I mean, if they do trade him and I, I I'm on record as saying I think that would be a really bad idea uh, unless some team just, you know, gives you a, a ridiculous offer you can't turn down. But, like, this could be it. You know, if they if they move him in the offseason, this could be it. And so as um, maybe the world's biggest Byron Buxton apologist and just a huge fan of watching him play, uh, I'm definitely going to tune in, uh, you know, for all of his at-bats for the for the remainder of the season. And he's, along with Joe Ryan and, and a couple other guys, um, I think he's going to be somebody uh, that's still worth watching as we, you know, as they play out the string here in 2021.
1: Uh, last thing, and from St. Paul before we move on to what happened uh, with the big league club. I, I would assume, Jake, that if there's two guys that I do want to see added to this 40 man roster, because I believe both them are. It, it is Mar- Jose Miranda and Joe Ryan. Um, I believe Miranda is not on the 40 man either. Now, no. Nope. Uh, as Patrick Royce so eloquently always likes to put it, give me a pencil, I can find <laughs> room on any 40 man <laughs> roster. With this twin season, obviously, uh, basically in the tank and them rotating so many guys in and out, um, give me a pencil, I can find that very easily. I think those are the two dudes, if they're just going to call up two guys, because especially, like you said, it can only go to, what, uh, 28 players, only two extra. um, I think those are the two that I definitely want to see the most added back to the roster.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jose Miranda has to be up. Like, he is... There's no reason not to call him up other than if they want to play the service time game. But like the year that he's put up at double A AA and triple A is mm-hmm. remarkable. Like it's insane. And his consistency is insane. Like he had a 996 OPS at double A over like 48 games. Came up to triple A and I think he's played basically the same number of games like 47, 48, 994 OPS. So like, I mean, he hasn't missed a beat. He hasn't slumped at all. He's hitting for power and average. The glove has always been legit. He can play all four infield positions. I am super excited about Jose Miranda. I had somebody tell me on Twitter, like, oh, you know, he's blocked, and so that might not be one. That might be one of the reasons they don't call him up um, because of Donaldson. And you know, in my view, like Donaldson's not even playing third that much yeah. right now. Uh, he's playing a lot of DH. Also, you know, calling Miranda up could give them a chance to IL Donaldson if he's willing to do that to to get him a little bit healthier. But like. Jose Miranda is clearly a part of the future. He has to be added to the 40 man in um in the offseason. And by the way, he was rule 5 eligible last year and no team took him. So they they could have lost Jose Miranda last year, but yeah. obviously um no team, you know, was was willing to take a chance on him and he hadn't had that breakout um yet, but uh I would love to see him in the big leagues. Uh he's had one of the best years of of mm-hmm. any minor leaguer out there. You know, I mean, it's just crazy what he's doing and when you watch him hit like uh, you know, it's mostly just highlights that I see, but like he's reaching out and and getting barrel, you know, a barrel on, on balls that are like you know down and in, and like it's not like he's just hitting meat fastballs. Like um, he looks like a really complete hitter, and so uh, I really want to see what he can do against big league pitching. So don't play the service time game; just call him up and and let's see what he can do.
1: Yeah, I mean his, his numbers are basically identical between between 47 games in Wichita, 48 games in St. Paul, 9, 4, 994 OPS, nine eighty six OPS, three thirty eight average, three forty five um, flugging five. 592 slugging 588 i mean the guy it's one thing to be mashing triple a pitching but double a is obviously where the top prospects are and when a young kid like that then also morphs into triple a now you're seeing veteran players i mean he's still crushing the ball he's 23 years old i agree um if donaldson especially isn't going to be playing third base and is going to be DHing a ton i mean there there it is right there it makes up makes a ton of sense like if I'd be shocked and be pretty upset if Williams Asadillo and Josh Donaldson are playing the majority of third base when there's a great opportunity here for Jose Miranda uh, to get, you know, what, 50 to 75 at-bats uh, in, in September before the season ends. So I'm with you there.
0: Yeah, it'd be a big missed opportunity if they don't do that. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Jake, let's go to what happened in the Bronx again. Uh, what was uh, Is it 10, 106? What was the graphic? It's, I think uh, 106 it's 106 and
0: 34 one, or something. It's It's 108 and 38. Uh, the Yankees are 108 and 38 against the Twins since 2002, including the playoffs. Uh, that's a 739 winning percentage. Uh, it extrapolated out to a full season, it almost is a full season of games yeah. at this point. But uh, for a full season, it, it, it'd be 120 and 42 would would be the record. Um, I like. I've I've just baseball. The worst teams beat the best teams like what 40 percent of the time, you yeah. know. So for like for this to happen over a 20 year stretch and with a lot of good twins teams too, like a lot of playoff teams in that mix, you know, for them to be this inept, it, it's just, I, I honestly think it, it might be the most incredible thing I, I've seen c- following baseball my whole life. Like how crazy this is. Like you watch these games, especially the games in the Bronx. And it's like, you just, it, it feels like it's already written. Like yeah. it, it, it just seems like they have no chance. And I don't know, I can't just say it's fluky or luck at this point because it's, it's almost a full season's worth of games, you know, yeah. including all these playoff games when, uh, you know, the Twins are obviously putting their best players out there. They're good teams. Uh, you know, they're, it's not like 2021 or 2016 where, you know, they're fielding uh, lineups that have maybe some some AAA guys in them. I mean, you know, they again, a lot of good teams and they just are so inept. It's just crazy. Like, and they're just falling behind. I think they fell behind... 6 nothing, maybe in all three of those games, at least two of those games. It's like, decade after decade, front office after front office, different players, it's just the same story over and over and over. Like, do you have any, have you seen anything like this in any sport, honestly?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, just, like, head-to-head, complete dominance, and also epic choke jobs that have been this before. I mean... Like, when I think of, like, putrid really bad, like, the Cleveland Browns up until this last year, right? Now they're finally looking like they're trending in the right direction on the NFL side. Like, they, for 20 years, they were awful. They were just awful. They were getting dominated mostly by everyone. This is a, is a special kind of thing. Cause it like it, Even Peyton Manning, who had, like, struggles in the playoffs against, like, Tom Brady. There was a few times Peyton Manning beat Tom Brady. Like Brady got the best of the majority of the meetings, but there were instances where he won the game to go to the Super Bowl. He won a big game against Tom Brady. This is obviously the Yankees being the most, you can make a case, the most successful sports franchise ever against the Twins, who have been for the majority of the last 20 years also a very successful team with, I know, some blips in the radar there, but this isn't this isn't the worst team in the world that that has been it it's it, this these are have been really good teams these have been teams that have set major league records teams that have won division titles and it's it's remarkable I mean in 2017 we went to the wild card game and they went up 3 to nothing and it was like oh my god it's happening we're going to they're going to I remember being absolutely juiced that this was going to happen and then Even when the bottom of the half inning happens and the Yankees tie things up, it's like, are you serious? Is this how this is going to be written again and again and again? And in 2019, you know, similar, similar story. The moment they lost game one, which at the time I thought, all right, like that was a winnable game. Tough break, but I think it'll be be all right. But then the moment they announced Randy Dobnek, you knew like this is this is happening all over again like they're like this is this is this isn't just the yankees will beat us because of the yankees this is self-sabotage this is everything um about it and it is frustrating i went to game three at in 2019 at the one game at target field in the twenty ALDS, and i remember when they loaded the again the twins load the bases i believe in the bottom of the first inning and no one else and i remember thinking if they don't get a run here this is they're gonna lose this game and of course I believe they went one, two, three, didn't even get a single run across, maybe a sack fly if memory serves Mm -hmm. right. But it's just that that feeling, that like utter, terrible, and I can't explain like what it is like watching playoff (laughs) and watching Twins Yankees because it is an indescribable feeling of torture that I continue to do to myself year in and year out.
0: Me too, and and it's actually easier during seasons like this you know, where they're not in contention, it's like, it doesn't, it, it's still, it's still, it's like that, you know, that gut punch, but it doesn't hurt quite as bad as when they are in contention or obviously when it's the playoffs, like, like these last three games, I honestly just like kind of start laughing when it happens. Cause it's just like, it's just so inexplicable. I go back to, you know, you mentioned the bases loaded, nobody out thing in 2019. I go back to 2009, um, Game two, the the Joe Maurer game, yeah. when he hit that, that double down the line that uh, Phil Cuzzy inexplicably called foul. That was in like the 11th or 12th inning that he hit that. Um, he still ended up singling that at bat. So he still got on base, and they loaded the bases with nobody else uh, in that game, in in, in extra innings. Um, and I think like Delman Young lined out. Uh, I think Carlos Gomez like popped out. Um, and maybe, like, Brendan Harris was involved in that. I'd have to go look, but I, I, I'll never forget that game because it was like, okay, bases loaded, nobody out, it's extra innings, just have to get one run home. And that was also the game, by the way, where Joe Nathan blew the save on mm-hmm. uh, A-Rod, hit a two-run home run, um, and they couldn't get it done, and as soon as that happened, I was like, that's it. Like, it's just, they're going to hit a walk-off home run, and I think it was Teixeira who hit a walk-off home run uh, in the in the bottom half of that inning, and it's just... Game after game after game, year after year after year. I just don't know what to say about it anymore. It's To me, it's worse than, you know, a lot of people compare it to, like, Red Sox-Yankees and, like, the Red Sox finally got over the hump in 2004. But, like, the Red Sox at least were winning games. Like, those series were going, like, seven games. And then, they like, the 2003 ALCS, the Red Sox lost in seven games. The Twins can't even win a game in a lot of these series, you know? So it's, like, it is. it's bizarre, man. And I just, 20 years, 20 years, I have no idea when this is going to end if it ever does. The Meadows at Mystic Lake has modified its golf policies to follow the COVID-19 public health recommendations and welcomes you to play this award winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is a full service golfing destination, enhanced by nearby food and entertainment, including the Meadows Bar and Grill and Mystic Lake Casino Hotel. It's never too early to book a tee time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com That's GolfTheMeadows.com Owned and operated by Shakopee Midwaka into community
1: yeah it's, it, it is frustrating uh jake i know we're gonna do buy sell stock actually let's say that for a next episode but um sure. as as we as we wrap up here and i don't know why i keep i think you and i have been talking about this guy for the for the majority of the last few months i again he's so polarizing me and i'm just trying to figure out what player he is but it's max kepler again going through another weird stretch where at first as July ended up wrapping up, and even in the early parts of August, it looks like, oh, he's stringing together some good games here. The injuries are behind him. And now again, I believe over the last about 13, 14 games, hitting 184, average right around 202 right now. I just, for the life of me, can't figure out what kind of guy they want and Max, what kind of player Max Kepler can be. And it's just another, not. I don't want to say failed prospect, because he has shown his life. And in 2019, he was a damn good player, got MVP votes. But it's just he's someone that I don't know why, but I keep gravitating towards. Um, And I I can't figure out what kind of player he can be.
0: He is really hard to figure out because he's in his prime right now. Like he's in, I think this is like his age 27 or 28 season. Like he should be absolutely, you know, mashing right now. Um, And he, you know, he's struggling to keep his average above 200. And I know he's never been a big average guy. Like that's not his game. He draws walks. He hits for power. Uh, but, yeah I mean he 's in another slump he 's been very like you said he 's been very streaky this year in particular it, it you know we rip Sano a lot uh for being streaky. We probably should be ripping Kepler more than we do to be honest for for how streaky he is uh, and just never really putting it together other than two thousand and nineteen he had a, like you said, he had an amazing year in two thousand and nineteen, but if you look at his numbers for every other season there there isn't a lot that jumps out you know it's mostly sort of like a 220 to 240 average like a 330 obp you know slugging in the 440s like it's not bad i mean he's a he's a a decent player a solid player um but he's not you know, he's kind of struggling to to stay as an everyday player in a, in a corner outfield spot because, you know, if you're playing corner outfield, you have to really hit, you know, because it's not a, a super valuable position defensively. Obviously, he can play center. I don't think he's great there. He's really more of a right fielder to me. So I I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. I, I expected to see more. And after 2019, I thought he'd become a superstar, really. Right. Um, And if you look at his numbers compared to even Sano, you know, I mean, Sano's having a better year in terms of OPS and things like that than than Kepler is. So obviously both those guys have been disappointments, but I I don't know. I I wish I had a better answer for you. I can't quite figure him out. Um, I, I would say the Twins will try to move him, but if he doesn't finish the season well, it's hard to see them getting value for him, you know, like if he finishes the season with a 2.10 average and like right. a 420 430 slugging, like what are they really going to get for him? So, um, he is on a team friendly contract and that's good, but I don't know. Do you have any better answers for for what you're seeing out of him, why he's struggling because I I can't figure it out.
1: No, I can't either. Um, and yeah, I know we ripped Sano, um at one point we were ripping Jorge Polanco before now he has looked like the team MVP over the last 3 months. Uh but I I mean him Kepler Sano Buxton, even Polanco, you know, all these guys were basically drafted around the same time, came up around the ranks around the same time. Polanco obviously is looking like the best of the bunch and Buxton when he's on the field is obviously the best, but the availability has still been questioning there and it, it stinks, you know, eventually you're not going to be able to hit on every prospect, but all these core players are together and you would like to see them and on you know, 2019, they blossom. You think, oh, this is, this is it. This will be years of this. This will be these guys, the core players for Twins Baseball, the next you know, Torrey Hunters and Jock Jones and all that area that we saw, you know, 20 years ago, and this will be replicated again. And unfortunately, you know, these guys regress at different times, and it can be, it can be tough to buy in and buy all the stock, even when the hype was real about their prospect um, rankings, that eventually just guys don't pan out, and they, they, they aren't going to hit that ceiling that you thought there could be. Now, I think there's more stands on the Miguel Sano front of that. They still hold on to the one hope that just because he can park a baseball 490 feet that he's going to be the mis- that he's that he's a, still a good player but i mean the pedigree of some of these prospects they were supposed to be franchise altering guys like Bucks and Sinell and unfortunately um whether it's their fault or or us our fans and media and scouts fault for overhyping them they haven't delivered on that and it's it's just frustrating on my soapbox here as i kind of talk in circles around it it's it's frustrating to hear
0: no no you're right you're right and that's totally justified i mean i i think Buxton obviously there have been injuries I think he has delivered when he's been on the field uh, but the injuries have been so significant that you know uh, it's obviously a, a big flaw unfortunately in, in his profiles. files um, Polanco like you mentioned he's the MVP of the team this year and and he has rebounded and that's good to see uh, it seems like health was a big issue for him it seems like that ankle is finally healthy he seems speedier to me down the line too he's stealing bases it's like I, I, he has been great and he's so consistent. Like even when he was hurt, he was playing every day, but yeah, with Sano and, and Kepler. And obviously the, the injuries to, to Buxton, um, this core group has been solid and they've delivered three playoff appearances, uh, but no playoff wins. And, um, you know, certainly you're right. I don't think they've, um, uh, they've lived up to the, to that previous generation of, uh, uh, you know, Torrey and, um, and, and Kadir and, and some of those guys, but, um, yeah, you know, I mean, th- they're still all under contract for next year. So we'll we'll, we'll see them at least for another year, hopefully. Uh, and and so maybe they can deliver. But yeah, I mean, not all prospects pan out, but it is it is unfortunate um, that some of those guys, after especially after 2019, like you said, haven't kind of taken that next step.
1: Uh, Jake, one last note here before we wrap. Um, going back to that ineptitude of the Twins and Yankees, because I, I was doing the math on this on Thursday, right when the series started, um, I tweeted this out. Since the last time the Twins have won a playoff game, every single team in the American League but Seattle and Minnesota has won a playoff series. So every every single wow. team. thirteen Since 2004, 13 out of 15 teams in the American League have at least made it to the ALCS. Wow. The Twins haven't won a single playoff game. Could you imagine in even... 2008 2009 that hey the Kansas City Royals are going to go to -to back-to-back World Series before you everyone in the division is going to be in the World Series before you were and here are the twins who have lost 19 consecutive playoff games getting dominated by the Yankees and every team except for Seattle and them have at least gone to the doorstep of getting to the bleeping World Series and here are the twins just always consistently falling short of those playoff expectations it is it's it's frustrating it's frustrating
0: that's an amazing stat. I I did not know that. Um, I think that that the stat that you mentioned that thirteen of the fifteen have gone to the ALCS in particular, that that really blows my mind. You would because you you think of some teams as just consistent bottom feeders, yeah. Um, and that's really not been the case. Like you said, even teams like the Royals, who mostly are a losing team, they had a, a an amazing two year window where they went to the World Series and won a World Series. Um, so you know it. it it shows you. I mean, that's that shows you the criticism is deserved. You know, I mean, I think expectations need to be higher moving forward uh, because it just it hasn't happened over the last two decades. So.
1: All right, sir. Well, good therapy session there as we as we yes. um, number one, look through the future with Joe Ryan, hopefully helping out with the twins and also uh, looking back on more ineptitude of twins, Yankees uh, debacle. Uh, twins in Boston. Obviously, this weekend, are you getting out to any of those games? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. That's the plan. Okay, Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. we will uh, talk next Monday, sir.
0: All right. Thanks, Dex. I appreciate it. He knows you once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test, unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.
1: Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. We are filled with an abundance of joy.
0: We are filled with an abundance of joy.
1: Also an abundance of questions. Good thing Geico has 24-7 claim service to help answer questions and resolve claims quickly. Uh, good thing Geico has 24-7 claim service. We are also filled with an abundance of biscuits. We are also filled with, uh, I don't think it works this way.
0: Oh, oh, and jam. Don't forget jam. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com.